Hey, thanks for coming back on Thursday here at the Airport Minute, where we talk about the greatest disaster movie ever made. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv. And once again, we have a baseball and airport guru, Paul Sullivan. <laughs> I am the host of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, which we're approaching our fourth anniversary of doing a podcast every single day, 365 days a year, unless there's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. And we we actually did another one this year. This was a leap year, so we do 366 this year. But, uh, yeah, and we're in the middle of the baseball playoff season, so uh, we're recording this well in advance, so hopefully the Red Sox are still in it, which they probably won't be. But, yeah. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, keep my fingers wow. crossed here. Yeah, well, uh, uh, things are going uh... – things are kind of uh, winding up to a head here as uh, pre-flight stuff happens. Uh, Dio Guerrero, uh, Van Heflin, is at the insurance desk uh, about to buy some... uh, uh, The key part of his plan, or besides the dynamite, is uh, getting a good, solid insurance. (laughs) I don't know why he'd go out to the airport to buy it. You'd think he'd have this like well in advance, but I guess that wouldn't serve the uh, needs of the movie plot. So uh, he's he's up at uh, the desk. I'm, I think that it also illustrates something that I talked about the previous minute when we went, we finished watching Ada Kwanzaa. We started with Helen Hayes, who was seasoned at this. She knew exactly what to do, when to say it, to the point where she pulled back to Peter Coakley uh, before she was, you know, I'm not done with my con yet. And here we see someone who clearly hasn't thought it out. He clearly has, you know, he, he is panicked he doesn't know what he's doing and so yeah i'm sure that he was like um yeah and i can uh book a flight to rome and that'll make sure i'm over the atlantic and i um uh, i'll grab a uh i'll grab some insurance before i go like there's there's a sense of panic even when you see him at the coffee shop meeting maureen stapleton that there's this he just looks like he's scatterbrained and so yeah he, he is he doesn't at all surprise me that he would wait to the last minute to get the the insurance and this yeah, might be the only insurance he can afford, too. You know, that's, that, that's what... A, a, yeah, I mean, he's he's pawned his mother-in-law's ring and all the other stuff that's in the house. So uh, he's, you know, literally down to his last nickel. Well, he's, a, um, he's a terrorist on a budget, is what he is. <laughs> yeah, he... Uh, and by the yeah, way, it, do you it, see the woman behind the saleswoman there with the... It's some kind of a, a pork pie hat with a grid on it. Just amazing. Yeah. Oh, in the, Edith in the second had, shot, yeah. Edith Head went went beyond uh, the pale on that one. That looks like they took the uh, curtains out of a Winnebago, starched it, and put it into a hat shape, and then wow. stuck it back on her head. It's, it's it's a plaid New Year's party she's coming back from. Maybe it's like you know, it's a Scottish New Year's party. But yeah, that hat is that hat is unbelievable. That is, there's yeah, no way you can tell me that. To, went to Filene's and place and said, "I'd like the hat from uh, Airport." <laughs> The extra was wearing an airport. Yeah, she. Uh, it looks like something you could flip upside down and put tortilla chips in. It's just. Uh, it, it is an astonishing hat. Yeah, and that's. Uh, and by the way, let's just let's just talk about Bunny for a second. I mean, Bunny is. I mean, this is Edith Head's costume coming in. She is so sexy, and she is so like I'm going to get. Every, I'm you know when you know the expression of I'm going to get every last nickel she's literally getting every last nickel from Van Heflin like Van Heflin is like taking his socks off and she does yeah. the whole you know oh just for a couple of dollars more and like and without being overt just that sort of like you know wouldn't you want you know you know just for a little bit more and she's got the 
you know, the the sexy Mary Tyler Moore hair and like mm. she's putting the the what I call the soft hard sell. It's like it doesn't mm. sound like she's giving the hard sell, but you're like, well, how can I do this? And and no matter what he says, like, well, I've already transferred like every like every line that he would say to you know dissuade or well, I've already uh, changed it to lira. Will we take foreign currency? Yeah, but you know they're all big bills. We can give you change. Oh, I just, mm. just I, I'd rather just do. It. We could take a check. Well, you know, I don't know. You must have something in there. You you must have pawned your mother-in-law's ring. All right, Christ's sakes, here you go. Like you know, she is she is a if if her supervisor was watching her, you know, she would get yeah, a she, bonus. Go like, you're good, bunny. You're good. Yeah, she hit she hit all the pain points. Every everything had a counter to it. And you know, selling her youth and beauty to him too. Mm. It's like I'll, I'll be her, I'll be his little girl, and she'll, uh, you know, and he'll he'll do another favor for me. Yeah, and oh, I'm trying to win this little, I'm trying to win this little thing. Every little bit helps. So even that's playing to a, you know, oh, don't you think I'm cute? Wouldn't you want cute little me to win this? And oh, she's like, you know, look at, uh, it's just. She's just she knows what to do. I'm mean, like she's been she worked him. She worked him big time. She got money out of a broke guy about to commit suicide. <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah. This is a, this is someone who lo- who's doing this because he loves his wife, and he's yeah. about to die, and yet he still gets a little horniness out of it. Now you can say that well, if I give this a little more, then Maureen Stapleton will get even more money. But there's also part of it is like hey, she's pretty cute though. I gotta say I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a PTSD guy, Irish guy with a with a Spanish name who blows stuff, who can't keep a job. But man, I'm not I'm not dead. I mean, look at Bunny. A happy Bunny is a happy uh, uh, Dio Guerrero. Yeah, I, I'm I'm back at way back at uh, second number three. And I just keep looking at the guy, the other guy at the counter with the uh, briefcase who's watching Steve, Van Halen. Steve Allen, yeah. Yeah, Steve Allen. Yeah, bold Steve, Steve Allen. He, uh, at second number three, first he looked at the camera in the last minute. And this minute, he's watching Van Halen, uh, Van, Van Halen, Van Heflin act. <laughs> he thinks it's Van Halen. Yeah, that's good. You, I'll tell you what he's doing. He has figured out that that's a bomb, and he's going to blow the plane up. And he has an attaché, and he, his is filled with a bomb, and he's buying insurance. And he's looking at Van Heflin's stumble, and he's thinking, amateur. <laughs> amateur. This is my third trying? plane. Look at this. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Come I'm on. bulletproof. Or, or he's, you know, he's working out the numbers that it's like when you win the, you win the lottery and then you got to split it with the three other winners. You're thinking if the plane goes down with this guy on it, my wife's only going to get half of what she was expecting. It's like everyone uh, on that plane is an attaché. <laughs> don't move. We know about the bomb, and everybody stands up. That would be a minute to watch. Uh, Helen Hayes the, is the yeah. most honest person on that flight. Yeah, but you know, in watching this scene where he's being kind to the uh, rather, you know, uh, avaricious. Uh, agent he doesn't Dio Guerrero is not a bad man I mean they they keep talking about him being angry all the time but he doesn't seem to get angry and he seems to have I mean I don't know if well, it's wanting it's to blow entire. up a plane full of people is kind of bad yeah I but would, I I would think, put that as a yeah, I would, I would put, put that, that in the bad, bad well, problem no, well, I mean he doesn't have an evil intent I don't think I don't think he's thinking about other people no. but I don't think he means to kill well, other people sociopaths rarely do yeah he just by he, the way he, Bunny was played by Nancy Ann Nelson. Did you know that? 
I did not know that. Does she have any other uh, credits? Her last Excuse film me. was Satan's Touch in 1984. Which we all, which I'm going to do the Satan's Touch minute by minute podcast. I'd love uh, to be your first guest. <laughs> she uh, she also was in her last credit here was an episode of Amazing Stories. Um, oh, Spielberg. The Spielberg show. Yeah, let's see if I can get Nancy. In. You know, you would think. Do you know what? Maybe I think we got her answer. She won the contest. She didn't have to work much anymore. <laughs> That's it. Retiring forever. Yeah. Done. And they didn't have to pay out, so that was even you know double benefit for her. Yeah. Um, that woman in the back behind her looks like Madeline Rue. Um, the, the, the other agent oh. in, uh, she does look a lot like Madeline Rue with a rather severe cut. Um, <laughs> not the woman with the lunch pail on her head. No, no, no. In between her and the, uh, and the basket woman. Yeah. Uh, and that is fun- quite, I'm like, sorry to interrupt you, buddy. Just keep, keep, keep talking. No, no, go, go right ahead. Uh, uh, I was just thinking about the, the, the other guy is wearing, I think that's a trilby versus a, uh, uh versus a fedora, but I don't, I. I can't imagine that small a hat working in the winter. That's the other thing. Everybody wore I a hat back then. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was it was kind of it was a chilly night. In fact, but it's funny. You know, this just hit me when I'm I, I'm watching this minute again. That the scene we saw before is Helen Hayes playing the Beach Boy, and and conning her way out of the bathroom, and so in that you have an older woman conning a flustered man with the best of intentions. And in this scene, you have a younger woman who is legally, but basically conning an older man with terrible intentions. But we're watching two different scenes of a woman conning a man and using their, what our perception of them, you know, that Ada Kwanzaa's this helpless old lady and I need your help. I need your help. And Bunny is this, oh, I'm this, beautiful young girl and i'd really like to win like to win so you're seeing kind of two forms of conning men with what uh you know what two different ages of women at least in 1970 had going for them it's just kind of interesting to see these two scenes one after the other and in both scenes the the woman is in complete control of the man that's true. Yeah, it's it, and it's yeah, it's a nice reflection, you know, one after the other. That, oh, okay, this is how this is going to work out. But it's uh, yeah, it is it is a great scene. I mean, Bunny does a great job uh, being being who she needs to be in this in this scene. That you know, you you believe the earnestness of her uh, trying to get uh, Guerrero to cough up some more cash. I uh, I just now so she is she is a Hollywood actor, so they they flew her out to. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any locals being, you know, having a major speaking role. I guess they all needed SAG cards, and nobody in Minneapolis had one. Mm. Um, well, by the way, go to. I'm sorry. Go keep going. Keep going. I was just going to say, if you look at the extra, who is obviously buying insurance from the the other saleswoman, he looks like uh, uh, Richard Coakley with with a, a, a hat you, and suit on. Uh, I thought he looked like a Bond villain. He looked like a kind of a Red Grant look uh, to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very thin uh, Shaw. Go to go to second twenty five, and again, this is when you're pausing a film like this. You know, like on this scene, I was watching Bunny and Van Heflin because I think they're both great in this scene. We go to second twenty five, and you see there's a woman with like a white hat and a white jacket, oh, okay. sort of going through there, and and you know, and the serviceman next to her, she's this amazing hat and jacket. And, and it's funny, a couple, when I was on a couple of episodes ago, I was making fun of the fact that Edith Head 
who's one of the great costumers in the history of Hollywood, was brought onto a film where you basically had to dress people in, all right, you're, it's a cold night in Chicago, and uh, you know pilots wear this. But I'm starting to think that, no, it's actually brilliant that she's costuming, because the people in the background going around, it, it, there's more variety than the cantina in Star Wars, just in terms yeah, of some of, these, the, some of these coats and some of these, like, you know, there's a serviceman going by, the woman in that white. You knew that that's where she was like, Christ sakes, it's a pilots and, you know, you know, I don't think she got a great thrill costuming, you know, George Kennedy, but everyone in the background, I'm going to put my back into this. And so it's like Edith Head, you know, the gowns of the extras by Edith Head. Well, you know, well, all... you, you raise a good point. Uh, think about it. She, she's making everyday people look glamorous. You know, she got to put her own yeah. spin on things. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Boy, even though I, it was a more well, good. I've gone to the second thirty-six. He does look like Robert Shaw in in uh, yeah, from, on, Russia uh, from Russians with Love. I I never noticed that. Yeah, it's, if you had told me that, you saw him sort of going on. He's going onto the the train right now. You know, <laughs> so yeah, the first shot won't kill him, and, uh, but maybe this briefcase will. So uh, yeah, it's he he does. I, I wish. You know, it's a shame that there wasn't an equivalent of pop-up video back then that you could just point at somebody and you say, this is this person or this is this one. But uh, they've all got a story in there. And, you know, these these folks were around for days and days as they were doing location shooting. A lot of the a lot of the movie, they actually had to wait because there was no snow on the ground. So they they concentrated on the terminal because yeah. there wasn't enough snow outside to film the uh, the 707 scenes. So these people must have come back night after night after night at, you know, after midnight when they were closed and just banged out some more scenes. And then they probably uh, had to out, drag themselves in to their day yeah. jobs, you know. Yeah. Oh, you, you look exhausted today. Well, I was at the airport till 3 in the morning. Check uh, out you were saying second what's... 40. Uh, if you pause check second 40, there's a um, – the, to me, it's the, the image that's completely – uh, epitomizes this entire scene it's that Bunny is giving Van Heflin the sweetest little honey pie look as Van Heflin is digging into his pockets trying to see if there's any pennies or nickels in his jacket pocket and it is and and she has yeah. he, she already has all of his cash in his hands like is there any more and like <laughs> of course what about but, your cufflinks I got yeah, some yeah, lint I can give you of course, Bunny's gonna win. Bunny's yeah. gonna win and, big time. It's gonna be a oh, blowout. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, she's got like those eyebrows are just two perfect parentheses, and they're just as far up as she can move them up her forehead. And it just it's it's astonishing how how much she sells that, and it still works. I mean, it's it's not a uh, it, you know it, even though it's a melodrama, it, this still works as she's within the realm of reality. And she's playing. It's the it's the exact same. It's not the same look, but it's the same emotion as when Helen Hayes pulled down uh, Peter Coakley, like when when he was getting up and she grabs him, pulls him back down. Yeah, that's what we're seeing right now. Is like I'm going to get there's there must be a little bit more in there because every it's what she says every little bit helps. So every yeah. little bit helps what her it helps her. So yeah, that's uh. I just wonder if she tells stories about this when she goes home at night, you know, and then I got this guy for this one. Because um, she yeah, is married, she's wearing a ring. Yeah, she's got a huge ring on. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. Yeah, but that could you know. This is a 
we also heard that uh, Ada Quonset's married too. I mean, like she could be just conning everyone there. I don't believe that. Anyone. Might, yeah, that that might be a defensive ring, so uh, guys don't hit on her. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that was a great little uh, insurance scene that we are we're gonna have to say goodbye to Bunny as we uh, do a segue over to uh, the fabulous Gate Thirty Three set, which it, to me Gate Thirty Three this this whole set as you're watching. Uh, think this is the intro to gate 33 as far as i can remember but i don't think we've been at an earlier scene with gate 33 but this giant set that they built on the universal Studios stage you have the gate itself you have two jetways that are i mean it's probably a little bit of forced perspective but they have these two gigantic get uh, jetways and then you have a full-sized uh, 707 mock-up uh with fly, you know wild walls and things like that but it's all on one sound stage and then they're dumping snow over the whole scene to make it look like, yeah, the blizzard's still going. And that's our that's our first second in seeing the uh, you know the initial part of it. We'll we'll see that on later minutes. But that just that opening introduction, you forget that you're on a soundstage, and you know we're no longer at the location anymore. Were nuns more prevalent back then? It always seems like when you see crowd scenes in like the '60s and '70s, there's always nuns walking around. And I, well, I, I guess go, I go to a lot of airports. I don't see a lot of nuns anymore. Uh, how many flights to Rome, though, do you go to? I mean, uh, I would imagine there might be some more clergy uh, doing the Rome route. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and you're going to need, you, you know, the easiest way of uh, finding somebody that's ready for uh, m- medical work is you're assuming that the nuns are working in a hospital somewhere. So they'll be pressed into service if, say, you know, some kind of disaster strikes on board. One of whom in there is a. Uh, Janice Hansen, who was uh, Felix Unger's wife on uh, The Odd Couple. And she did a very un-nun-like uh, uh, <laughs> job. Well, she, she posed for Playboy. Yeah, she well, she was a uh, she was a Playboy bunny. I don't think I don't know if she, if she actually posed for the magazine, but she was she was a very famous Playboy bunny and was using a lot of their um, promotional materials. I heard a beep, and I'm not sure if we went offline. I'm here. Uh, no, oh, I'm oh, I'm oh. here. I, I you guys went dark for a second, but okay, yeah, I, I'm not sure we're just didn't we all? Yeah, there. So anyway, we're uh, we're just about you know we're still at the introduction to uh, Gate Thirty Three, but it is a fantastic set. I mean, this is it's not exactly you know the Millennium Falcon in the in the Death Star set, but it is uh, one of the most enormous sets I've ever seen on a Universal picture. Just considering the size of the seven hundred seven and how much they're lighting and. Uh, you know all that all that snow effect. That's a you know it's a floor effect going on right there. This is where this is where the budget really got eaten up. Well, that and renting a seven hundred seven. So. Well, and I got to say one thing, and it's, and it's definite defense. The set is that you know I, I re, as I said I rewatched it beginning ten last night, and and I, I didn't currently like, where's where am I watching a set and where am I watching an actual airport location. And it's seamless. I, I don't really look at like, oh, now I'm, like, there's sometimes you see something. Okay, we're definitely on a soundstage here. Uh, and 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 you know the the scene that we just saw before, where you know the bathroom scene with Helen Hayes and the the scene with Bunny and and Van Heflin, that was shot in the the airport in Minnesota, and this is in Universal City here. But it you know it really does flow together. It really is pretty seamless. Yeah, I think it's a it's a credit to uh, Laszlo, who is the uh, cinematographer, that they're so great in the matching, the lighting, the coloring, everything flows pretty seamlessly between the two worlds. And you know this, the airport kind of, because it's you know it's part of the title, but the airport 
has a role. It's almost a yeah, cast it's member almost in it. Almost a character, right? Yeah. And again, um, this was but, a state of the art, big budget Hollywood. They'd call it a tentpole today. Yeah, and how much of it, you know, it, it is shot as an interior that takes, you know, takes up so many storylines. And Gate 33 at least is a little bit more realistic than the uh, TGA executive lounge with the giant fireplace and stuff. This yeah. seems more like something that you'd actually find in an airport. Do you think that? I think it's really interesting when, when rewatching this is you saw that, you know, how aptly titled this film was. Yeah, I had seen um, two of the other airport films more recently than I went to revisit the original. And those were basically stories about a plane in distress. And this is really about the damn airport. This is about the, yes, there's the plane that Dean Martin flies and everything, but it's about how this airport works in crisis in crisis mode and it's basically all the things that can go wrong at an airport happening and you see the people on the ground you see the people and the technicians trying to dig the wheel of the plane out how do you deal with a stowaway how do you deal with this how do you deal with late planes it's all the it's it's basically a a crisis management industrial film disguised as a burt lancaster dean martin uh disaster film it's it's and and shows like, hey, if all these different elements work together, we can make this work, and we can make everything work except for Lancaster's marriage. Yeah, it it's uh, it, this is kind of like a it's a wonderful life uh, with instead In of Bedford air. Falls, you're yeah, well, you're, instead of Bedford Falls, you're looking at a town, and you're finding out all the, the different people that live in the town. It it's basically, I mean, you know, it, I don't want to stretch that metaphor too much, but. Merry uh, Christmas, Gate Thirty Three. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Bunny at the insurance. You beautiful yeah, building and loan. It, that that terrible Potterville where the where the plane did blow up over the Atlantic. Uh, <laughs> but it it is. I mean, it it is a major character, and there's just so much. You could almost see this as a TV series, although I can't imagine after the third hijacking i think they probably shut the airport down yeah. how many, i don't know how many episodes you could get out of it <laughs> they come but, into burt lancaster's office you are the worst airport manager in the world there's always a crisis at your damn airport can't you learn to delegate what's wrong with you yeah it it just you'd like to see i mean i wish they could have gone on with the further adventure i mean they did they did with petroni although it, the petroni that we see in the future episodes has nothing to do with this petroni but it would have been nice to to come back with these people several years in the future and see you know what happens and what you know and how the different changes in the airline business uh, came about. At least, Bunny. and then I and then you know in a future future episode you see them all get downsized. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's yeah. Where where did, where did Bunny go after they shut down the insurance kiosk and things? But we're, anyway, we're we're ending this this minute. We're seeing uh, Lloyd Nolan, uh, Harry Standish in the you know the customs office. He's seeing his uh, daughter Judy Barton off to uh, to Rome, and uh, that's going to lead us into a whole bunch more other stuff because we know, you know, of course, we find out the where uh, Ada Quonset has wound up. She's wound up in a payphone booth uh, just outside of Gate Thirty Three, and she's just waiting for her moment. Which uh, I think that la- that last little scene of her just looking out the window, I think it tells a lot. You know, you're almost like at a chapter end. But it tells you a lot about what's what's to come, and you know you're kind of identifying with her in uh, in, in what you know how she's going to accomplish the next part of her caper. And it, and again, to not to keep beating this horse, but it, to contrast that with Van Heflin, who seems so careless and seem or like who just seems so flustered 
And you see her just very calmly. I'm going to wait. When do I spring? Not yet. Not yet, Ada. You know, you know, she has to wait for there to be where it could be. Um, you deal with someone who's distracted. She's like, oh, this person could be the distraction. But don't boo it yet. Don't. So it's it's you get to see the mind churning. I tell you what I would love to have seen. You talk about it, it's funny that we have, you know, what, four airport sequels or three. How many of them they wound up making? <clears throat> and you had Helen Hayes winning the Oscar for this one. And yet I would much rather, instead of seeing Petroni in some of the other films with Heston and Jack Lemmon, I would love to see who else Helen Hayes could, you know, could uh, swindle. You know, the, yeah, the, she, 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 her like, on the just, Riviera, you know, swindling her <laughs> way through there, you know, like dirty, rotten yeah. scoundrels. So. Yeah, she, it's like the sting abroad or something like that would be a, a good way to follow her. But yeah, it's it's just uh, it it's great to be able to see such a, uh, a an amazing performance, uh, you know, all packaged in this one little thing. And, you know, it, it was it's a confluence of a lot of great things. And she had a good director. She had a great, uh, you know, the great art direction and stuff like that. And let her, and the photographer managed to pick up every little nuance of her acting. Yeah. So. And it was a time wow. that, that you you saw how things are shot back then because it was widescreen. There wasn't the the pressure to get lots of cuts, but also you allowed actors to, you allowed scenes to play out in ways that, because you were trying to keep it wide. You were trying to keep things you know on the screen for a while. So you could see her, like her scene with Burt Lancaster, the way that she you know, the way that the two of them interact or the scene when she pulls down Peter Coakley, that that's in, that's a wide shot where she's, well, that's a two shot where she grabs it. It's not like intercut, like cut to her hand, grabbing it, cut to pulling down. And so there's a certain rhythm to it, which is almost more stage acting than it is, you know, than it is, uh, uh, you know, you know a hyper cut. Uh, yeah. I, I, modern I, nowadays, nowadays it would be, uh, you know, 15 cuts a minute and, it, there wouldn't be a lot of dialogue. It would just be a lot of heavy music and, uh, you know, cutting back and forth between her looking, you know, with her eyeballs and and just a lot of action. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it lets the actors be an actor and the camera isn't the star. It, you know, it's just an observer more than anything else. Um, but I think this is a great way to end that particular minute. Um, we will see what happens to, uh, will uh, Helen Hayes ever get out of that phone booth? And <laughs> Remember when <laughs> and there about were that phone bump? booths? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh. Those are the days. The uh, uh, and then we're still we're kind of forgetting about uh, poor Inez out there somewhere in the highway. So we'll uh, we'll have to find out how they're doing. Uh, but we'll do that in the next minute uh, tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to leave us some comments, we have many social media that you can do that on. You can go to uh, Twitter, uh, face, uh, uh, Twitter. You can go to Airport Minute. You can go to Facebook. Same thing, Airport Minute. Or you can visit our website, airportminute.com, where we have uh, a nice comment section at the end of every episode. Uh, you can also visit us if you'd like to get this uh, podcast delivered to you every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just search for Airport Minute. We're right in there. If you could leave us a great uh, review, we'd appreciate that very much. So uh, please do that. And uh, you can pick up Friday's uh, episode uh, tomorrow, first thing in the morning. And, of course, don't forget to check out Sully's great podcast at sullybaseball.com. Please do so. Uh, we will join you tomorrow. And uh, until then, good day. Bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.